In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, and the earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Cool. So Jordy's going to jump up and explain that to us, but why don't, I, why don't I pray and ask God that we'd understand as he does that. So, so pray with me. Oh, Father God, I want to thank you so much that you've stepped out of the shadows and revealed yourself, and that we've just heard you speak through the Bible. As we look at this tricky chunk tonight, we just pray you'd help us to understand who you really are. Not what not who we like to think you are, but who you actually are. Please help us to see clearly, maybe for the first time. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Scotty. How we doing? Oh, the loudest answer I heard was meh. That's really sad. That's really sad. Well, I'm sorry that was the question to start off with, right? But life's full of questions, right? I actually love questions. Questions get me thinking. I like questions. Um, I love them so much that back in the day, the thing I used to do was go on now, my wife, uh, I went on to her Facebook page and I would hack it and I'd just post really, I think, really intelligent, well thought through questions that people just haven't thought through and really should think through. So we got a, we got a picture of one of them. <clears throat> Is sand called sand because it's in between sea and land? That's a thinker, right? Why aren't people thinking this stuff through? Or this one, there's more. We keep finding buildings and things buried like from ages ago, but why did ancient cultures bury their buildings underground? I don't know if anyone knows the answer to that one. Any ancient historians in the room? Do you know why? I don't know why. Next one, what else, what else is there? Honestly, if ice floats, then how come Antarctica is at the bottom of the earth. <laughs> Big questions with laws. Big, what about the next one? Next one, hit us up. Here we go. Can you feel the tension rising? James is trying to control it with his voice. Go again, James, you got it. Hey! Nice. This one's bugged me for a while. Why is it called a building once it's completed? Shouldn't it be called a built? <laughs> huh? Big question. Is that the last one? I think it's the last one. That's the last one, right? I love a good question. Now, they're pretty dumb, right? 
People actually thought Loz wrote those for quite a long time. It was pretty funny. So like, those questions don't really matter. They're kind of funny. They're kind of, kind of silly. I think some of them are pretty good, right? But some questions actually really matter, don't they? There's like degrees of how important questions are, and those are probably on the low side. Like there's some important questions. Questions like, I don't know, like, what, do you, what am I going to spend my life doing? That's a pretty big question, hey? The answer to that is really going to change decisions you make, things you do, places you go. That's a bigger question than why is a building called a building instead of a built, right? There's degrees of questions. But I, I want us to look at one particular question tonight that I think that kind of trippy passage in Isaiah helps us to work out. And it's a question that is more important than any other question you could ask. That when you hear this question and you think it through, puts every other question to shame. And it's this. Are you right with God? Are you right with God? Are you good with Him? Are you on good terms with God? That's a big question, right? That's more important than those other ones. I ask this, bunch, I ask this question to a bunch of people, right? And I say, are you, are you right with God? Do you think you're right with God? And what do you reckon they answer? Sometimes you get no's, sometimes you get yes, most of the time you get, oh, I reckon. I reckon, like, I reckon I'll be right. I've been a pretty good bloke. If there's a God, I'll probably be all right. Hmm. You get that kind of maybe vibe. And I wonder if I would go around and ask all of you that tonight, what your, question, what your answer would be to the question. Are you right? with God, because the answer really matters. It really matters, because the Bible makes it really clear that out of the two options, I am good with God or I'm not good with God, serious differences in where we end up forever. If you are good with God, then you spend forever with Him after you die in paradise, living forever. Wow. If you're not good with God, the message of the Bible is that the opposite is true. You'll be judged by Him forever. It's quite different, right? The answer to the question, am I right with God, really matters. It really matters. There's a lot on the line. And so, as we kind of tackle this question, looking through that kind of hard passage before, I think we've got a couple of different types of people in the room. I just want you to own which one you are. First group of people in here just don't think there's a God. And we love that you're here. If that's you, that's great. But can I, give, can I just give you a challenge tonight? It's really easy if you don't believe this stuff just to go, I'm not going to listen. Can I give you the challenge to listen and hear, just hear the Bible out? Hear it out. Actually give it a go. If this is the most important question, it's worth at least hearing what the Bible has to say about it. That might be you. Second group of people, you might be the type of people who give the answer we gave before the I reckon I'll be right. Let me tell you why that's not a good enough answer. If that's the most important question and all you can give is I reckon or I hope, that sucks. Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know where you stand with God? Tonight's passage will help you see that. And you might know that you're all good. Can I tell you, if you get tonight's passage it'll be even better than you realise. Knowing that you're good will be even sweeter than ever. It'll be better news than you've ever understood. 
Because the chapter that we're looking at tonight, it's kind of weird, but it's full of gold. There's a lot of cool stuff in there that we're going to see. Are you right with God? Scotty's already prayed, so we're about to get into this, right? Lots of weird stuff in there. And what we do every night here at youth, every term, we grab a book of the Bible and we just kind of work our way through it. That's what we do. And this term, we've picked up Isaiah. It's a really big book, right? So we're kind of taking slabs at a time and we're going to work our way through it this term. Isaiah. Alright, I want you to think, before we kind of dig into Isaiah, what you might already know about Isaiah. It might be nothing, but I'll give you one for free, alright? Isaiah, the main dude who's kind of talking throughout it, his name is? Nah, it's Steve. Nah, it is Isaiah. Imagine that, that'd be a curveball. Isaiah, right? The main dude you get is Isaiah. And I want to show you why we know that. Come to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. You alright? You alright, Joy? Good stuff, hang in there. Isaiah 1 verse 1. Give us a bunch of the background. We need to know what's going on in this weird book. It says this, The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. Gives us a bunch of info, right? Number one, it gives us, this book is a vision that a dude called Isaiah saw. So God has given this guy, Isaiah, a vision to go and tell a bunch of people. That's the first thing we see. But the, the question should be, well, what's he, what's he going to go tell them, right? What does it say? The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem. All right, here's a cheeky map for you. Here's where it is. So this is Israel, right? They're God's people. God had chosen them and they're like, you're my people. Thank you very much. And he leads them out of Egypt and he takes them through the wilderness and he gives them this land. That's their country. But... They had a bit of a biff, right? They had a bit of a biff and they split up. So you got Israel up top, Judah, Jerusalem down south. And so this is Isaiah going to the guys at the bottom and telling them something, right? And we're going to find out a little bit more about what he says. But when did this all go down? I'm not going to say their names again because they're super weird. But during the reigns of those kings, which I actually reckon is pretty cool, right? This could have just said, here's a thing some guy said. But it tells you a time in history when it happened. Stuff you can check out around it. Did the thing he say actually happen? Oh, turns out it did. I find that really interesting. So the time for this, when you look at when those kings were alive and died and that type of thing, we're looking at like 7th century BC, 8th century BC, around there. So we're in what, like 2019? You go back to 019, all right? And then go back to zero a little bit. And then you go back another like 700 years and that's where this is going on. That's where we are. There's our background. We got it? Love it. Good stuff. As we dig into chapter 6, what's our question? Am I right with God? And isn't it amazing that as we dig into some book written so long ago, we can find some of the answers to some of the deepest questions we could have. Here we go. Am I right with God? What's the first thing you need to know before you can answer that question? Am I right with God? You'd want to know what God is like, wouldn't you? You need to know what He's like if you know you're right with Him. Otherwise, you've just got no idea how to relate with God. It'd be like having a mate who's a vegan and just throwing him this massive barbecue meat fest. Like, if you don't know that they're vegan, you can't help them out and relate with them and be good with them. We have to know what God is like. And so here's the first real big thing we're going to see tonight. God is holy. God is 
holy. Check out chapter 6, verse 1. Flick back over there if you moved on. Chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seating on a throne, and the train of His robe filled the temple. So here's Isaiah, he's got this vision, and what does he see? God is on the throne. God is the King. He's lifted up. Just His robe is filling up this massive temple thing. God is where He always has been and always will be, on the throne, ruling the world that He's made. Keep looking in verse 2. Above Him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. Now, these things just seem a bit trippy, hey? (laughs) They're pretty weird, right? We don't really know heaps about them, but what you can tell from reading them is they're not us. There's something else going on. There's some crazy, superhuman, six-winged angel things. They're pretty crazy. And what are they doing? These hectic things, what are they doing? Verse 3, they're calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Those things, as hectic and superhuman as they are, their job is to just praise God for how epic He is. They're just praising God. And what is it they describe God as? It's holy. Holy, holy, holy. Now, imagine you were writing something down and you really, really wanted someone to know, like, this is the important bit. How would you do it? How would you make someone know that? We might, uh, we might bold it, you know, control B. We might underline it. You might put italics in. You could bump up the font to, like, size 100 or something and just make it huge. What they did back in the day they'd repeat it. If you really want to know that something's really important and it's just, it's hectic, you just repeat. And so, what do they do here? God is holy, holy, holy. If you want to know what God's like, there's your answer. He's holy. But if anything like me, the next question is, what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean that God's holy, right? I remember I asked a kid this once, I said, you know, what do you think it means that God's holy? And they thought it meant he was like a donut shape. Like, they'd look up and, he was like, and they're like, he sounds a bit weird. It's not that, right? Here's what holy is. Holy, we don't really use it anymore, it means to be like completely different, completely separate, completely other than anything else. And so when we say that God is holy, we're saying there's no one like Him. He's different. There's nothing like Him. He's different. He's separate. He's other. He's holy. He's a cut above the rest. Everyone else, and then there's this line, and He's just above it, better than the rest. It's a little bit like, it's He's better than this, but it's a little bit like Thanos in Infinity War, right? He's there's some people who are kind of similar, like he's pretty strong. Some other people are pretty strong. That's pretty good. He's pretty smart. You've got some other people who do weird time stuff, so they're a little bit better than him. But then he gets the gauntlet thing, and at that point, he's just a cut above the rest. Right? Except that he's purple. He looks real stupid. But other than that, like, he is a cut above the rest. Anything that others are like, he's just better. 
He's other. He's different. No one can quite live up to what he's like. At that point, he kind of has a type of holy power, right? He's a cut above. He, what about Thor? Thor gets fat because he couldn't kill him. That's how other he is, right? Thanos is different. He's other. As soon as he gets at another level, God is holy. He's a cut above the rest. Holy, holy, holy. He's holy in his power. God created the universe. No one can do that. He's a cut above the rest. He holds planets in his hand as they spin. No one else can do that. He's a cut above the rest. God's holy in purity. He's pure. He's clean. He can't do evil. Who else is like that? Who can do no wrong? Who else is like that? No one. God is holy. Can't stand any sense of evil in his sight. That is how holy he is, how pure he is. There's no one like the God of the universe. That's the vision Isaiah gets. We mentioned at the start, there's probably a bunch of people here who think a bunch of different things about God, right? And I've chatted to a bunch of you about them. And one of the reasons I hear from people about why they, they can't believe in God, why they don't want to believe in God, is it all just sounds a bit too much, right? It all sounds a bit crazy. You're saying that someone made the universe, created it. Nah, that can't be right. You're saying that there's this God, this being who is everywhere and can see all things and is all-powerful. Ah, oh, it sounds a bit crazy. You're saying that there's someone, there's this being who has always existed, that no one made but who made everything. You think that's a thing? Come on. Well, if we're talking about a person, you're right. <laughs> that stuff's nuts. It's crazy. But if there's one who's a cut above the rest, if there's someone who's holy different, other, then all those things are on the table. In fact, those things are the things that make you go, wow, that's God. Only one could do that. It's not what we think in our minds about God that matters, what we think He could or couldn't be. If you could fully understand how God is like He is, He wouldn't be very holy, would He? He'd just be another bloke. That God can do things that we can't fully understand is evidence that He is who He is. A cut above the rest, holy other. There might be times where you actually get to see this a little bit, like the tiniest glimpse of a reflection in your life. I remember I used to, every now and then, I'd go up to Pride Rock up at Terrigal. It looks Terrigal, Avoca, it's really nice, Disney represent, right? And you'd watch the sunrise come up. And there were just moments where you'd go, oh, wow. You're just kind of taken aback a little bit. You kind of lose a bit of breath. It's like you kind of get slapped. There's something like, it is so awesome that you get taken aback. The holy God made that sun. It rises each day because he tells it to. That's our God. That's the God of the universe. And so when you see those little glimpses, let it remind you, wow, God made that. How good is that? That's our God. Now we're going to look at how Isaiah responds to that God. 
Because what does he do? We actually see something really important in how Isaiah responds when he sees that God. And it's not, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. Here's the second thing we're going to see tonight. We suck. (laughs) And we see this from Isaiah's response. Look in verse 5. Isaiah sees this. All that stuff goes on. And what does he say? Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. Woe to me, I'm ruined. He gets this glimpse of God, this glimpse of what he's like. And his reaction is, I'm done. I'm stuffed. If, if, if that's what God is like, I am stuffed. I'm ruined. And what's the reason he gives for that? Well, keep following on. It says for, that's just another word for because. So he goes, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He's unclean. That's not like he hasn't had a bath for a couple of days or something. Like, he's unclean. He's, he's, he's done wrong. And he's in the presence of the Holy God who can't stand wrong. Isaiah is unholy. He's like the rest in the presence of the Holy God. And you kind of see in the chapters that we've skipped over, but don't worry about it, you're going to find it as we go all the way through Isaiah, the people that he's talking about there are real bad people, right? They, they just keep rejecting God over and over. They don't look after the people who need looking after. They're just a real bad bunch. But Isaiah's one of the good ones and he says he's ruined. Even he can't stand. And notice, it's after seeing God that he says that. It's after seeing how perfect God is that he goes, if that's the standard, I'm done. Woe is me. Because it's all about who you compare yourself to. Can I let you guys on a little secret of mine? I have a very big talent. I'm not going to hide it. I have a talent, right? I'm really good at art. I'm heaps good at art, all right? You can't, don't tell too many people about it because they might come asking me about my artworks and I don't want to sell them because I like them too much, all right? I'm really good at it. Uh, I'm going to show you one of them. Here it is. It's really nice. I'm not going to lie to you, it's really good. Any guesses when I did this? I've heard kindergarten. Close. I'm here in preschool, kindergarten, year two. I did this this year. Yeah. I did this at uni this year. Okay, I'm not very good at art, all right? Thank you. That's all I showed it for, just to get someone to say it looks nice, right? This is terrible, right? This is a piece of junk. Imagine, right? Imagine this was my task. Teacher comes up to me and the task was, you've just got to make a perfect artwork. It's just got to be the bomb. It's got to be all arty and stuff, all right? It's just got to be really good. How do I know if I've nailed it or not? I could find a different guy, a guy who's just heaps worse than even I am, Steve, all right? I could go up to Steve and be like, well, here's what Steve's looks like. 
Ryan's actually pretty good, actually. Like, it might not be the best, but it's kind of 3D. It's got some colours. That's not a cow. Like, number one, that's not a cow. And he's labelled it a cow. So I reckon I'm actually pretty confident with my artwork now. If I compare it to Steve's, I'm all good. So I go up to the teacher, I'm like, here's my artwork. Super confident with it. And she just pulls out, like, some amazing Picasso artwork or something. It was like, don't compare it to Steve's. Steve sucks. I'm like, miss, you can't say that. But she's like, no, Steve really sucks. And, you're, and yours just also sucks. But a little bit less, maybe, than Steve, Steve's, right? And I'm looking at the one that she's showing me, the nice one. I'm like, there's contrast and textures and lines. And they're the three arty words I know, all right? I'm like, well, compared to Steve's, it's pretty good. But compared to that perfect one, mine's a piece of junk. I'm embarrassed. I feel terrible. Just because mine sucks slightly less than Steve's doesn't mean it's any good. Doesn't mean it's any good at all. When I see the thing I'm actually being judged against, I can actually see that clearly because it's all about who you compare yourself to. When people say that they'll, they think they'll be right with God because they're a pretty good person, you know, I haven't, I haven't killed anyone. What are they doing at that point? Well, they're just comparing themselves to someone who happens to be worse. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't done anything too hectic. So I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. Stand before the holy God, the one who can do no wrong, who can't even look at evil. Now it doesn't compare. His standard is perfect. And so when Isaiah stands before that picture of God, he sees the perfect standard laid out. And he doesn't go, oh, I'm a pretty good bloke. I'm ruined. I'm done. Are you right with God? If it's up to you, not even close. If I'm trying to be right with God, I'm not even close. When that perfect standard is laid out, I've got no hope. I can't do it. If this God exists, you have no chance on your own of living up to what He wants. You're in trouble. And if you think He doesn't exist, then you'd better be 100% sure because you fall so far short of his standards, as do I. Now, if we just went, amen, and close, that'd be really, that'd be a downer, wouldn't it? But it would be fair. If we just ended it there, that would be fair of God to do. You don't live up to my standards, judged. But there is this scandal that runs throughout the Bible, that's this thing that's it's offensive almost. It's a scandal. It's, it's controversial. And here's what it is. We get a tiny taste of it in the last bit of our passage. Here's the last thing we're going to see tonight. How can we be right with God? The holy God forgives. The holy God forgives. We see that Isaiah's seen God, he does his woe is me thing, and then we get to a bit of a weird picture, 
but there's something really helpful in it. Check out verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Now, I've seen a lot of weird eyes and I've kind of got the weird eyes as well, right? It's kind of hard to understand. It's a really weird scene that's going on. But the cash point is, Something happens that means Isaiah's sin is atoned for. And so you go, well, what the heck's atoned? It's to make people at one again, atoned. If what we've seen so far is that we can't live up to God, there's this separation, a separation between us and God, the holy and the unclean. We suck compared to the perfect God. We've disobeyed Him. He set out the perfect way to live and we haven't done it. Every day I do things I wish I hadn't done. Every day I do things that if I were to stand before God, I would say, woe is me. But we need something to make us at one again if we have any chance of being right with the Holy God. It'd be like, you know, if Steve, old mate Steve with the artwork, he got so annoyed that yours is he's better than that he just kicks you in the nuts? Separation, right? Separation. He's got to do something, there's got to be amends made. There has to be something to make it at one again. There has to be atonement. And so he just, I don't know, he buys you unlimited nuggets or something. And you're like, ah, you're all right. Please don't do that again. That really hurt though, right? That's, that's, a, that's a picture of atonement. Something done to make two people all right again. And here we see that there's a way for sin to be atoned for. Can you be right with God? Is there a possibility of being made right with God? Yes. You see it. Except, how? Like, do I, am I looking for one of those weird angely dudes with some tongs from the kitchen? Like, what am I looking for? How do I get this? Whatever this is, how do I get it, Right? I don't even think Isaiah knew how this worked when it happened. I think what Isaiah got was God saying, your sin is atoned for, and he went, all right. But we know, we know something even he didn't. God has given us a way for our sin to be atoned, to wipe it away, to bring us back with him. And we're going to see it in 1 John chapter 2. So grab your Bibles, 1 John chapter 2. Not John 1, that's a trick. 1 John is one of the last books, so just keep flicking. If you hit the table of measures, you've gone too far, right? 1 John, chapter 2. And here's where we see the scandal fully played out. Something that just shouldn't be, but is somehow. 1 John, chapter 2. We get shown how God can atone, how our sins can be atoned. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, is talking about Jesus here. He, Jesus, is the atoning, that's that atone word, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We have a way for our sins to be atoned, to be right with God again. And it's Jesus. He is the atoning sacrifice. 
God saw this problem, this separation, and he's the only one who could fix it. He's a cut above the rest. Only he could do this. And so he sends his son, Jesus, into our world to die. And as he dies, our sin was chucked on him. All of it. Anything you can think of that wouldn't be right before a holy God put on Jesus as he died. And he was punished so that you didn't have to be. Because God's holy, sin has got to be punished. It'd be unfair if sin was just let go. But he punishes it in a way that means you can go free, that I can go free. Your sin can be atoned for like Isaiah's. There is a way to be right with God, a way that actually works. And it's trusting, believing that Jesus did exactly what he said he did. That as he died, he was in your place. That he did atone for your sins. Do you trust him? Because am I right with a holy God can only be answered yes if your trust is in Jesus. If your trust is in Jesus. Some people try and, and work their way there. All right, I don't think I am right with the Holy God. I will be if I just act a bit better doing this, stop swearing and doing this, maybe give some money to a charity here or there or something. That is offensive to God and those people waste their time. There's one way to have sin atoned for and be right with the God of the universe, and it's Jesus. And for some of you who think, he couldn't forgive me, maybe others but me, the way I doubt, the way I say that I believe and I don't, the the things I do that no one else would do, he's holy. He's a cut above the rest. Only he could forgive, but he can. And he has, if your trust is in Jesus. And some of you are already trusting Jesus and that is epic. Be confident where you stand. Life can get real messy, it can get real rocky, and there'll be times when you go, I just, am I right with God? The next question is, do I trust in Jesus? Even just a bit, do I trust in Jesus? If the answer is yes, then you're good with God. You might have stuff to work through, that's all right, we all do. Is your trust in Jesus? You can be confident, 100%. Are you going to heaven? 100%, yes, if your trust is in Jesus. For some of you, this might be the first time where that's clicked. I can be right with God. It doesn't matter what I do around to get there. Do something about it tonight. Put your trust in Jesus. If there's only one way, take it. Some people complain there's only one way. That's a bit exclusive. There's one way... I'll take it. There shouldn't even be one. I'll own it. And so trust in Jesus. And your answer to am I right with God is a yes. And so in a second, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray three things. And if that's you, or you might have thought you were, and you just, but you just don't know where you're at. This is for a bunch of people, right? Three things. Sorry. God, I'm so sorry that I I haven't lived up. When I see how holy you are, 
Oh, I'm stuffed. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. That he would die in my place to atone for my sins. Thank you. And please, please help me to change now and live in a way that actually is pleasing to you. If that's you tonight, don't put it off. Trust in Jesus. Be right with God. Let's pray. God, you are holy. You are so other and different to anything or anyone else. We're sorry. We're sorry that we don't live up to your standard, that we reject you, that we disobey you. When we see you, we see how far short we fall. We're sorry. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that he would die in our place with our sins on himself to be the atoning sacrifice, to bring us back with you. Thank you. And would you please help us to now live in a way that honours that and that honours you. Amen.